Um, I want to begin tonight kind of where we left off. I promise you, we are going to accomplish everything we need to accomplish tonight because uh, I have zero new handouts. And so we're going to get through what we're going to describe as uh, this repent and believe cycle. But before we do that, I want to just reiterate how we ended last week. So we talked about last week, we described that this, this, this new identity that be- becomes a part of who we are. And I, can't, I cannot overstate how critical it is and how important it is that we recognize that reality even though, like a little child, when we say, well, you're about to give your life to Christ and the Bible says that once you are united with Christ in baptism, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they start asking you those questions like, will I feel it? Like, will, I, will, it, will everything be totally different? And I'm looking, oh, now, now what do I say, right? I can't say, well, no, actually, you really, it's not that kind of a change. It's more of a, it's more of an existential reality or, you know, some eschatological, ultimate teleological fulfillment, right? Which, what do those words mean? So you can't describe it like that. So the Holy Spirit is going to come into you. So you mean like my conscience? Well, yeah, I mean, the Bible says, yes, it's, it's a little bit like that. But no, it's the, the, the second part of the Trinity or the third part of the Trinity, as we describe the Holy Spirit of God will come upon you. And how many of you, when you gave your life to Christ, when you experienced union with Christ, just the Spirit came upon you with power? So then, like, am I making that stuff up? Like, you understand the complexity of this question? And yet, by the way, I will not say that nothing happened. I won't say it, because I don't believe that. So maybe some of my problem or some of my difficulty is what I expected to happen. Kind of like when I really, Andrea finally said yes, and I'm thinking, marriage is going to be the most amazing thing in the world. It's going to be like date night all the time. And I remember the first time I held her hand, and it'll feel like that for the rest of our lives. And I remember when I put my arm around her, and I just thought I was going to explode with like, with like love muffins. Like I just thought, you know, all this, all this Google... No? I mean, Andrea, wherever you are, babe, there you are. You kind of feeling the love muffin stuff? I mean, is that is anything happening to you, babe, or not? And, and you know what I'm saying? And yet, it's kind of like, but, but is there anything going on inside? Yeah, there is. Is there a growing love? Yeah, there is. And, and yet, the Bible speaks very clearly that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, that the Holy Spirit will indwell you. And maybe the problem is our expectation sometimes. Maybe we, we think it's going to be kind of like Pretty Woman where you pull down the, the railing and she comes down and you jump into each other's arms. And it's, that's what marriage is going to be like. And Well, no, Hollywood said marriage would be like that. But by the way, marriage isn't like that forever. So what do we do? And, and that's what I love about the scriptures. The scriptures kind of pull us back in. And so I want you to look at, um, again, as we kind of wrap up, because what I want to talk about tonight is, so then what is like the, the ongoing relationship with God through the Holy Spirit? Like, what does that look like? Like, what is, give me some very real and tangible, a real and tangible picture of what the daily life, union with Christ, what does that actually look like? And this is what we want to try to unpack tonight. And I'm so indebted to Mike Breen and to uh, a ministry known as 3DM, where they, they basically gave me a paradigm that you'll see on this chart today, a paradigm that describes what's going on, and sometimes pictures help us understand that, okay? 
So that's what we're going to be doing. But, but bigger than the picture and bigger than the insight that I might give you that has a picture to it, I want to give you the, the, the real reality, which let's jump back to, uh, to verse 16. So we're in Galatians 5, sorry. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 16. And you'll, I, I think you might be able to see why I want to begin there. Because um, in, 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 in Galatians 5, it's, it's describing the work of what's going to happen. It is actually opposite to what's going on in the world. And so the Apostle Paul says, but I say, walk in the Spirit. So it's not just, hey, you've got magic. We don't believe in magic. That's so critical. We do not, as followers of Jesus Christ as um, obedient followers of Yahweh God, we don't believe in magic. And when I hear people pray magical prayers, like God remove from me any bad thoughts ever again, amen. That's a magical prayer. That's not the way Paul prays. Paul prays, may God sanctify you through and through. May you come to a realization of the power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in, you see the difference? One of them is looking for a, hey, like, I really don't want to deal with, like, life. Like, I don't want to learn to trust God. I just kind of want him to take over my body. Like, what if that's not God's plan for anyone? By the way, find that anywhere in the Bible. No, I love this statement. And Jesus learned obedience. Jesus learned obedience? Jesus learned obedience. Wow. So the Bible really gives us this picture of a a learned, a growing dependence, a growing awareness on the Holy Spirit. Now, that's hard to explain to a 10-year-old when they want to accept Christ. It's actually hard to explain to a 38-year-old when they want to. I mean, literally, there's no age that just is magic. But I, now I'm beginning to see that a lot of what was happening in my heart and in my mind and in my life was, in fact, the Holy Spirit. And, and really what I needed more of, actually, were people in my life that said, hey, by the way, that was the Holy Spirit. Like, that's the word of God speaking to you. Like, that is the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God reminding you of this. They need, I needed, I call it like, you know, the B-I-U in your word processor, bold, italicized, and underlined. Like, I need people to kind of come along and say, hey, by the way, B-I-U that. Like, you need to bold, italics, and underline that because that's what's going on. Because if not, you just, you, you miss it. Well, so we'll talk about that tonight. But look at how he says it. So what, what, what Paul is describing here is I want you... Um, I want you to walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Like, you just need to know that. Um, there is a change. This is the part where you go, yeah, like, um, if, if you cannot see any change in your life before and after your conversion, either you're not understanding something, that could be possible. It could be an ignorance issue. That's why Paul says repeatedly, like, I don't want you to be ignorant of some of these things. Second, or First Corinthians is a big deal on this. I don't want you to be ignorant of some things. So it could be ignorance. I thought it was going to be, and you just don't know the biblical truth, and we need to give you biblical truth so that you can find peace in the truth, okay? But another thing of it that we need to remember is, is that maybe you weren't converted. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? Well, I'm going to say it anyway. Like, you need to go back and ask the question. Like, maybe you were converted to something that a lot of people were converted to, which is like a better way of living, which is not Jesus. Now, Jesus is a better way of living, but there are better ways of living that don't include Jesus. You do know that, right? There are. Let's not lie to ourselves. Yeah. 
You can be a nicer person and a better citizen and not have peace with God through Christ. You know that, right? And that's why when we preach the gospel, when we teach the good news of Jesus Christ, I'm not calling you to a better version of yourself at this conference. One of my favorite tweets of the week from Matt Chandler. I love this. Listen to this. Can I, can I encourage you with a word tonight that I'm stealing from Matt Chandler? Listen to this. Um, God loves you. And not just a better slash version, a better slash um, future version of you. Like he loves you. Not a better future version of you. He loves you. The Bible actually says that what? That talking about the desires of our sinful nature, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you understand that the only, we can only learn to live by the Spirit when we come to the realization that God loves me. In spite of me. He's the only one ever. Andrea loved me because I was so good looking and I was so winsome. That's why she loved me. I promise. That's what she said anyway when she was 15. She said that. Okay? She looked at me and she saw some things and she and I and I and I and I did. I mean, I was 17 and and honestly there was something and she would say this, like you just I, I just I like you. I just like to be with you. I mean, she's talking like this, right? She actually pursued me for the, the first time. And then all the other times I had to pursue her. But the first time, she pursued me. Like there was something that was lacking in her that she was finding in me. And that is not like Yahweh God. That is not like Jesus Christ. All of his pull towards us comes from within him. It is his love for us. It is his great love that he loved us, is what the Bible says. God, who is rich in mercy, even though we don't deserve it, he loves us. And until you come to that grips with that powerful and profound truth, you're going to think somehow there was something in you. And I would argue you'll, you'll never fully find like the peace of God. And so there is this radical difference. It says here, so as I continue on, uh, here we go, down in the bottom. Um, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law, which means there's not a bunch of rules and regulations that we are to follow, amazingly enough. Okay? There's not that. There's instead the spirit. Now the works of the flesh are evident. There's sexual immorality and impurity and sensuality and idolatry and sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Meaning, I'm not trying to give you an exhaustive list, but you get the point, right? When you hear that list, first of all, you go, oh yeah, of course, sexual immorality and drunkenness and orgies, duh. And then he says, no, but there's like enmity and there's strife and divisiveness. So, wow, okay, so actually those ones kind of affect me more. So this is, these, are the ways, these are the ways of the world. This is the way of ungodliness. This is the way of the flesh. And then notice how he continues. Um, uh, these are the things that I warn you about. As I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Meaning, they don't have the spirit to give them the power to overcome these things. And then he continues on, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control. Against, against these things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, meaning those who are, remember last week we talked about, gave you some great terms, forensically, we are justified in Jesus. 
And then the mystics, will, there's a, a forensic union, meaning like there is a legal union with you and Christ. And then beyond that forensic union, that, that there's, we know it is true, whether you feel it or not, whether you feel innocent or not, if you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ, as my dad used to always say, it could care less how you feel, son. Okay, don't even, how you felt has never even registered in my brain, my dad would say to me. And so there, for those of us who have trusted Christ with our salvation and we're still feeling some things, we need to remember that we have been saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. That's probably why you don't feel it. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And have you ever been like surprised by a gift and you have a hard time believing it happened? Yes. I, I mean, I know exactly what that feels like. I remember my parents being kind to me. I remember parents like giving me things, and I would just kind of like, did that just happen? Like, did that just happen? Okay, did that just happen? You know, Andrew and I get married. Did that just happen? I turn over. <gasps> it happened. So that's kind of what you, you have this, you have this forensic union. Whether I feel married or not, I'm married. And then though, there's this mystical union. And that's what he is describing now here. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, which, by the way, can be the, the dangerous side. Hey, guess who has the Spirit of God? I do. Yeah, I'm just, all I got is love and patience and kindness and peace. And You should see what I am. It's amazing. Notice how much he says this. Listen. So I want you to, like, recognize the Spirit, but be very careful. Do not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Man, I can't be spiritual like Tom Man, I can't, be, I can't be smart like Paul. You know, I can't be, why don't I have, uh, why can't I have a marriage like, why can't I have a relationship like, why can't I have a, you know, wow, I just, I, I look at these spiritual people and I just feel like, where'd that come from? I love what, again, Matt Chandler said years ago in a sermon, I've never forgot this, to be, to be, to be not content with who God has made you to be is to deny like God's sovereign plan and purpose for your life. Um, whether you like it or not, this is where you might get bummed out a little bit. Somebody asked this question at the conference. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Matt Chandler again. Okay, three, three great hits. He said, somebody said something like this. No, actually, I think it was Owen Strawn. Owen Strawn made this comment. Um, if God wanted, and then he used some famous preacher's names, but like if God had wanted Billy Graham to be the pastor of your church, he would have had Billy Graham do it. So most of this room is full of pastors. A lot of you guys feel like incomplete about that. Like you feel like something's wrong or something's broken because you're not as good as so-and-so. Well, if God wanted so-and-so there, he would have had so-and-so there. So you better get used to the fact that God wants you there, right? That's true. That was, that was kind of comforting, maybe depressing for you, but ultimately comforting for you. Is that not? But is that not true in every relationship? Does that not go down to some pretty amazing, like fundamental things? And I need to learn to, to genuinely, like to not envy to not like seek something other than which God has ordained wow that's 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 a big deal actually that that and then by the way this is the other thing that I, I love to think about is that as I am walking through the progressive sanctification to not despise where I am right now not to be content with it either not to be like oh yeah this is where I am and it doesn't matter but I, I meet a lot of Christian people who begin to awaken. 
And then as they awaken, I, I deal with this quite a few times, they begin to lament how long it took them to awaken. I can't believe I blew like 20 years of my life. Uh, okay, are you going to blow another five complaining about it? Right? So do, do you realize like, again, not to be content. No, to have a holy burden, to have a Holy Spirit burden to be more like Jesus. And then to realize that God is the primary one in charge of that. I believe that. He will be the one who will sanctify you through and through, body, soul, and spirit. He is faithful and he will do it, 1 Thessalonians 5. Okay? But do you understand, and by the way, I think this is good, like in, in marital situations. Again, now there are some people that are being lazy in these relationships, spiritually speaking. And then there are others that are really are trying. And no matter what, like Andrea, I'm sorry, babe, but this is kind of what you got right now. And, and, and she has to be not content, but content and grateful for where I am. Does that make sense? So she spurs me on to good works. She spurs me on to a greater love and appreciation for Jesus Christ is, right? So that's part of it. But she can't, like, nag me there. And she can't, like, wish me there. Do you understand? And that's true for your kids. It's true for your pastors. Like, it's true all the way around. So, so hear me, just so I, I want to make sure, I think I've said it clearly, but I want to say this one more time. I'm not saying to look at yourself and to look at others and go, ah, this is where God wants us. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying to not recognize where you are in the journey. I, I like to compare it like this. When I, when I see people that can get frustrated with other people, I love to find someone that they love and then pick on them. So there was a good friend of mine, and he was always kind of frustrated that nobody else was learning like they should, and he was a life group leader, and I don't understand why everybody else isn't as passionate, as excited, as, and it's true. I mean, he was the most passionate, excited person in his group. And I couldn't help him see, what's wrong with everybody? I don't know why they get it. And, and, and I said to him, because he loves his children very deeply, I said, you know, do you ever get like really mad how stupid your daughter is about how she doesn't know calculus? And Well, wait a second, you know, she's only in the fifth grade, I mean... You know, you got to give her some time, and you got to give her some. You got to give her some patience, and you got to give her some. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not. She's not ready for college. She's stupid. And okay, but wait, wait a second here. She's young. She's oh, okay. So you're totally patient with her. Like you, you get that you're not just. Cont- you don't want her to be there forever, but you you get that that's kind of where she is right now, right? And to just demand more of her and to nag her and to complain about her probably isn't going to get her anywhere. Like you know that? Well, yeah. I'm like, why do you know that with your people? I had to learn this lesson with you. Now, it was like 13 years ago, so I don't even know if you were here. But I remember like wondering, like, what do I got to do to get everybody spiritual tomorrow? And my good brother, Terry Carpenter, said, listen, like, I'm not asking you to not care about it. You do know that you can't do that. So helpful for me. Helps me with my marriage, helps me with my kids. But what am I helping them do? And so pull out your graph, and I want to give you some fun stuff tonight that hopefully in, in some ways will help you look at every day. Are you ready for this? A little different. How many of you have really had a moment in your life? You can think of a moment in your life where you were rather certain. I mean like rather certain, not like wondering, but no, you were rather certain that God was saying something to you, not necessarily audibly, that the Holy Spirit was leading you somewhere, 
that you had a deep conviction. It could have happened in a Bible study. It could have happened when someone was preaching. It could have happened in the middle of a song service. It could have happened in a number of different, how many of you have had that? Raise your hand if you've had an experience when you feel like God is saying something to you. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody, everybody. So what'd you do with it? So here's what happens, I think, a lot on Sunday. And um, I don't know how to fix this, but so you're sitting in church on Sunday, let's say like last Sunday, and so I, I say something and out of the 25 minutes that I speak to you every Sunday, um, there is this moment in which I say something and then the Holy Spirit creates, puts a, this conviction on your heart. I need to go do, and then you, you feel it. I need to go, like the Spirit is pulling me. And then the series ends, or the sermon ends, and the service ends, and you go to your car, and you go to Mexico Joe's, and you have lunch. <laughs> and, and then you never even really think about it again. Has that ever happened to you? Like a lot? Yeah, a lot. I don't even know if it's all bad, okay? Like especially like the, the salsa. I don't know, but I don't know, uh, I don't know if it's all bad, okay? I don't know if it's all bad. But maybe we need to be careful with it. Here's what it might look like. So you're going through life, and as you're going through life, you have this moment. And it's a special moment. And one of the problems is, is when we think about these special moments, we get overwhelmed by them. We're like, wow, God said something. And feel, not every moment is a burning bush moment. You know that, right? Like, not every moment's a burning bush moment. No, there were lots of moments in Moses' life that had nothing to do with the burning bush. You know that in Moses' life, lived approximately 120 years, he had one burning bush moment. Okay, so don't try to pretend, and he was 80 when he had it, by the way. Okay, so God, there were lots of moments when God was doing stuff in his life that didn't include a burning bush. So don't make every moment a burning bush moment, okay? But there's lots of those moments that happen, and then you and I are at, for example, like a crossroads, okay? So there are, there are burning bush moments, and then there are just, actually, I'm a shepherd and trying to figure out how to feed sheep moments, okay? That's the other, a lot of, other part of Moses' life, okay? And so what do we do in either of those moments? So no, how, no matter how big the moment might be, I want to remind you, going back to the Exodus 3 material, um, and, I, and I've, I've probably taught you this before, but I love how the narrative really happens because most people actually think it goes like this. And so there's Moses, and he's kind of walking on his way, and God goes, Moses, come over here to this burning bush. You gotta see this, and I gotta talk to you. Right? No? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that Moses was walking along, and as he's walking along, he notices that there are a there's a bush that is on fire, and yet it is not being consumed. And then the text makes it very clear. And so Moses, Hebrew word, turned aside. He literally was doing this, and he turned aside to see this great thing. And then listen to the, what the text is saying. Tell me that this isn't intentional. And when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside, he spoke from the bush. How many of you guys didn't make that connection? And when Yahweh saw that Moses had turned aside, he spoke. Now, now again, I don't know, again, like I was teaching on Sunday, I don't know what would have happened. I know the people were coming out of Egypt no matter what. But it's very interesting that Moses is walking, he sees it, he turns aside, and in that Okay, I got to stop right here, moment. I got to deal with this moment. That's where, weirdly enough, like that's where God can speak a lot of the time. Like I've had lots of weird convictions. I, I've had ones like, man, I got to call Tim. 
I just got to call him. I just got to call him right now. I think something's terrible. I got to call him. I, gotta, I, I, used to, I used to do this quite a bit when I was younger. I'd call Tim. Tim, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Why? Are you sure you're okay? Yeah, okay, because I just had this burden. I had this, is everything okay? Yeah, everything's okay. Tim, are you lying to me? No, I'm not lying to you. Everything's fine. Okay, just check it. Love you. Bye. Click. So I've had those moments. I have. Sometimes something happens and the other times, okay, I don't know. See, I need, to, I need discernment, which is what's always needed, by the way. That's why the word of God, spirit of God, people of God are so critical. You, I guarantee you, you've had feelings and thoughts. And, 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 and by the way, they're not all either from the spirit or from the devil. No, some are from your imagination. And mine too. They really are. Some are from our imagination. And so we need, we need to, but we need to, I, I would encourage you to deal with them. To deal with them. So by the way, I'm still fine with you going and grabbing lunch. But just make sure that when you have a deep conviction that you go, but i got to come back to that. Like God has spoken to me. God is, I think, revealing something to me. But sometimes, like the bush on fire, if we're going to use the, the story, the bush on fire isn't the revelation, is it? And don't substitute what you think is going on with what God wants you to do. Don't confuse those two things. I see so many people making the worst decisions in their lives because they confuse what they thought they should do with what they should do, okay? That, that can be very, very foolish, okay? So at that moment, I'm, I begin to say, okay, I'm not going to do what I usually do because when, going back to what I was trying to get at, I think it was this past Sunday, the sermons are blending together, but what happens when people just think, yeah, it was this Sunday. What happens when people always assume there'll be a second time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time? The Bible says that that is a, a hardening of our hearts. So if, kind of big picture, if this is on some amazing scale, and this is time, and this is more like Christ, okay? And we're at this particular state, okay? This goes way, way, way up, by the way, okay? So if we're at this moment in time and we decide, you know, eh, you know, I know God wants me to go home and apologize to my wife for what I said yesterday. Eh, forgot. Oops, sorry, Jesus. Right? Andrea doesn't even know I had that conviction. She'll be fine. Right? Still married, right, babe? Yeah. So what's happening there? Intentionally or unintentionally, again, and I'm trying to find a way to describe it, I think something happens. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're now going to hell because you didn't listen. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm going, when God speaks and you go, eh, I don't want to do it, or ah, I'm too lazy to think about it, I just, I think if I had to chart it, it's not good. Wouldn't you agree? To become almost like habitually aware and to not do anything? Right, let me put it in this context. If your kids know what you want them to do and they just kind of blow you off, what do you go? Well, you know, I, I, this, that really is up to you and our relationship is fine either way, right? Try, let your employees kind of blow you off. I, I guarantee you, you get your back up pretty quickly. So think about it. Something happens. But what instead of kind of going on this somewhat downward trajectory, and by God's grace, I've always seen this, another one comes, right? So that's kind of neat. But... Don't presume upon it, correct? What if, what if instead of us just even stopping, what if we decide to circle up? 
I love this idea. What if we decide to circle up? So in the end, what I want to do is I want to talk about this idea of repenting and believing. So one of the things I want to do is I want to challenge maybe some of your views of repenting. Because so often when I say, hey, is there anything, John, that you need to repent of? Usually what John does is he goes into his mind, very, very godly, spiritual man. But I, I, I bet you any money, myself, anybody, if I, were to, if I were to be asked that question, my first thought is, okay, what did I do that was wrong and terrible? And what sin did I commit? Okay, was it murder? Was it adultery? I didn't steal anything? Ah, maybe envy. That one's probably a little tougher for me, right? But I begin to think of like, what terrible thing did I do? What if it's not that? Like, what if Martin Luther is right? And I think he is on this one. He said that all of one's life as a follower of Jesus Christ is of repentance. That if Paul says in, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that our minds, there is a transformation of our minds which is our reasonable act of worship. What is he talking about? There is a transformation of our minds. You know what the word repent means? Metanoia. Metanoia. Doesn't mean turn. It means change your mind. Which, by the way, looks like a turn. But it actually literally means meta. Like metamorphosis, change of form, metanoia, change of mind. And, and so now, by the way, a lot of it is sin. A lot of it is, yeah, like I thought I could just yell at people when I felt like it. I thought I could just like take things when I wanted them. I thought I could do that. I can't do that? No, you can't do that. I didn't know that. I'm glad you told me, right? I, I have a change of mind about things. I can't hold grudges? Seriously. Why can't I hold grudges? Well, because the Bible kind of corrects our thinking. And so it's, and it's not just sin. Like, I thought I could just, like, not care about things. Can't I just not? I mean, I'm not, it's not bad. I just don't care. Yeah, well, you're not allowed to not care. You're not allowed. Those who, those who know what is right and do not do it, to him it is sin, the Bible teaches. Wow, this sounds like a big deal. Yeah, it is you being utterly and completely transformed into the image of Christ. Remember, we talked about this. It is you becoming Hear me, even though Jesus doesn't only love a better version of you, he is in the process of producing, by the Holy Spirit, a better version of you. He just loves you all the way through it. But don't deny the better version of you that he is calling us to. This is what the church doesn't want to talk about. Get them wet, call it good. Right? Have them do a prayer, call it good. Which is really, really sad because, you know, there was a, there's, a, there's a famous NFL quarterback, I won't say who it is because it's, it's the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And Aaron Rodgers told a very, 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 very devastating story recently. You guys, have you heard this? He went to a camp, had an experience, gave his life to Jesus Christ. And then later on, he was describing in, this, in, a, in a recent article that he is completely indebted to Rob Bell, who taught him that he does not need to, like, believe in Jesus or believe in the Bible or believe in any of those things. And he's just, it's, it has been so freeing that he's got like no, like God has no expectation of him, that there really is not. And he was just talking about how indebted he was to his, to his kind of spiritual mentor who came to the, to the team to kind of give some spiritual advice. And uh, Aaron heard him and just was like, so you're telling me like all this stuff about becoming like Christ and the, all that stuff is just all nuts? And he's like, yeah, it's all nuts. Man, thank you. I needed to hear that. No, that's actually like deceit. Like that's actually like not true. 
And so we actually have the fruit of the Spirit in us. So what are we doing? We are spending some time like changing our mind. So what are we doing during that time? And, and, and this is where it's a little more organic, okay? So I don't want to turn this into a system. I need to turn this into a way of looking. You see, you see what I'm saying? If you turn this into a system, I, I don't know how well it really works, okay? Um, Andrea and I have to have a relationship that like works daily. Not that there's always this kind of crazy system. But then I also do like to rep- remind people, like when Max broke his leg, um, he needed to be in a cast for a while, which meant it was, it was weird, right? It was, like, it was awkward. Why? So that it could heal, so that he could have a normal leg again, okay? So sometimes it's good to ask the question, and so I'm just going to give you three words that kind of happen simultaneously that I would challenge you to do, and then even to maybe do with others, to have people in your life where you can have some conversations. But you need to observe what was going on, what happened there. Like, what's happening there? I need to think about this more and observe. I need to spend some time reflecting on that. And I would say, and the best one to ever talk to, by the way, can I just tell you, is God. So sometimes when I hear people describe this in this scenario, they, they forget. No, 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 that's, it's not like a pretend talk. That's like the most real talk you ever have with anybody is your communion with, the, with, with, with God through the, through the Spirit. There has to be like a discussion And by the way, if you're like young in your faith, then I would say you need to find someone who's a little more mature, Paul talks like this, and you need to be able to say, hey man, I had this really strange feeling. Um, I just, I was sitting there and Jim was talking, and this Sunday I'm talking about uh, the title, you'll love it, How to Cope with the Terrible Marriage. I don't know if you saw that last Sunday. Um, We're going to be in the book of Hosea, and it's going to be, it's going to be a rough sermon. I mean, I begin my message with, hey, can we just have an honest conversation, because I think a bunch of us right now are going to want to throw up. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. So when it's in that midst and somebody says, yeah, Jim was talking and I just feel like, man, I'm, I'm supposed to leave my marriage. Okay, um, that's probably not what the Holy Spirit said. So maybe you need to find like a wise person. I feel like I need to quit my job. You were talking about that we really need to be doing what God wants. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just tomorrow, I can do it right now if you need me to. I'm going to go call my boss and quit my job. Okay, whoa, 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 easy, 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 easy. Lone Ranger, let's just slow this down. We might end up getting there, really. We might end up, I'm not saying we won't. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I just, so how did we get here? Tell me how we got here. Well, you made a comment, and, and then I added like five to it, and it came up with a number, and that was my birthday, and so I decided to quit my job. Okay, yeah, that's a bad way to get to that conclusion from there, right? But in the end, it's like, yeah, like I'm involved in a rather like, insipid and evil um, uh, industry and you were talking about confronting sin no matter the cost? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you're involved in like sinful things, maybe you should quit your job, right? But just to, so here's my point is that, it, and I, I believe the Bible actually teaches this. So Jesus teaches, repent and believe the good news. Change your mind, okay? And, and really, here's the part is that Martin Luther's statement about all of our life being that, like I really think that's what it is. Like, when I say to Tom, I want you to accept Christ, and Tom says, I'm, I, I will, I'll accept, I don't know anything about him, and I tell him all about Jesus. And he says, okay, so now, well, now what does this mean? Like, do I just go back to my life? Do I just go back and treat my wife the same way and treat my job the same way? And then I have to say, what? no, no, everything changes. Like, everything changes. Like, you're now going to look at your life differently. One of my favorite stories from my good brother Jake coming, out of, coming back from Ethiopia is the incredible testimony that exists 
when a man comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the traditional way, correct me if I get anything wrong, Jake, but the traditional way that you eat in Ethiopia is that you're the man, and so you eat. So the wife usually, I believe, makes the food, puts the food down in front of the, 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 the dad, and the dad eats till he's full. And then after that, it kind of goes down the pecking order. And some of the reason why children starve to death is not because they don't have food, but because the food doesn't get to them. Okay? Now, is that the way a Christian man should live? Does the gospel say anything about that? Yeah. Like, it actually says a lot. It actually says that I need to consider others better than myself. It actually describes a, a fundamental different way of looking at life. And Jake said, like, one of the greatest testimonies is actually now, like, the father, like, shares his food with his family. Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't live the old way. Now, here, here's the problem. You and I go, man, those people in Africa, they are so dumb. How do they not get that? Can we talk about what we do? Can we talk about what we do? But do you see how that becomes a practical example? Like I, I can't treat my wife the way that I used to treat my wife because of the gospel. Like I can't treat my job the way I used to. So then Tom looks at me very, very genuinely and goes, okay, but Jim, I have no idea what that means. Like I really don't. Like I don't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure that out on my own. Why do you think the Apostle Paul makes it so clear and why this is so important as they go through the repenting, the changing of the mind piece as they go through that? Why is it so important to do it in community? Why is it so important to do with the biblical text speaking to us? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. All of this instruction, why? Because Tom couldn't have figured it out without Jim explaining it to him. And Jim could have never figured it out if, if Frank didn't explain it to Jim. Frank could have never figured it out if Walter didn't explain it to... Do you see what's important here? So there is this handing off. And uh, I remember being deeply convicted when someone said to me, You know, Jim, you're standing up there every Sunday. Well, this, this hits hard. And you're asking a lot of people to do things, and they don't have the ability. They don't have the context like you have. Like their, their, their marital situation, their family situation, their mental situation, whatever. And you're up there just pontificating on these things like it's easy to do. Uh, yeah. It, it, it cautions me. Now, I still have to speak the truth, right? But I, I, I feel the weight of this for, for you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I hope you feel it. How does your kid ever know to hit a baseball? You knew to teach him? How does your kid know to read? Oh, you knew to teach him. Tie their shoes? Oh, you knew to teach him. How about to love a woman? Well, you know, Netflix. Think about it. How do your children know how to give to the kingdom? Well, actually, not for me. How do your children know to like pray, to read the scriptures? How do your kids know? How do they know how to rightly apply the scriptures to their lives, moms and dads? Where, where do you think they're going to get that from? Think about it. I, I mean, it's just, it's overwhelming to me sometimes. Like how contingent we are on something as simple as this. 
And this is, uh, this is where I, I feel like there, you know, there is a responsibility for those of us who are in pastoral, um, it's not totally my responsibility. Like, it, it's not. Like, I'm not, I'm not your savior. That was one of my favorite tweets of the week, too, by the way, is you are not the gospel to anyone. I love that. Like, I'm not your good news. Jesus is our good news. Isn't that cool? Now, even though Jesus is the good news, he has gifted you to be with me and me to be with you. Like, I can't tell you how much I've learned. Like, I don't know if I've taught you anything over the last 13 years, but I can't tell you how much I've learned from you about what it means to love and to be patient and to be kind and to be like the Holy Spirit. I say Holy Spirit, it rings. Know what I'm saying? So, think about this. Observe, reflect, and discuss. Parents, I want you to be thinking about, like, when was the last time you sat down with your kids and said, hey, what is God saying to you? How is God leading you? That's why I love to ask people when, they, when, they, um, when I don't know them very well, I ask them, are you, I love this, this statement, like, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Yes, I'm a follower. Like, first of all, they go, you mean like a Christian? <laughs> I'm going, uh, yeah, there's a couple of ways that we can actually describe it, but are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, where's he leading you? Uh, what? Like, just tell me some of the things that, where he's leading you, like some of the things that are happening in your life, like how your mind and your heart and how your will is being transformed, how you're becoming more like Jesus. And I usually get like, this is honestly what I usually get. I have no idea what you're talking about. Why am I getting that? And I'll tell you why. Because I don't teach it well enough on the front end. Like, I'll just take responsibility. I mean, I don't teach it well enough. Now, I, don't, I, I can't be spiritual for any of you. Okay? Just like you can't be spiritual for your children. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. But you can help your children. And when I say, by the way, be spiritual, I don't mean like have a cool thought in their head. Like, I mean, like, to be like Christ. That's what it means, by the way. When I say be spiritual, that's what I mean. To be led by the Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. So when was the last time you sat down with your spouse or with your kids? Tell me what God is doing in your heart and your life. Where is he leading? When was the last time you had a conviction? What did you do with that? Are you ready for this? Can I just be honest with you? Andrea and I do not talk about this anywhere near enough. And me and my boys don't talk about this anywhere near enough. And if I asked you, when was the last time you had this conversation? Just with that sphere, remember we talk about the concentric circles of responsibility? I'm not, I won't even, I don't, listen, we'll talk about your neighbor in a couple of weeks. I wanna talk about the ring on your finger and the children that God has given you, okay? The ones where you already are doing lots of stuff with. Are you having any of these conversations? Are you having any of the conversations? Can I tell you what God is doing in my heart and what God is doing in my life? Like, can I, can I tell you kind of what's happening? Oh, we, well, we would, but This Is Us came out last night and it's a great episode, so Andrew and I are gonna watch that tonight instead. Right? Is that not true, people? It is. And then, and then we never get around to it. We never get around to what? Never get around to actually asking whether or not my mind is being transformed into the image of Jesus. I need to be more intentional about observing and reflecting and discussing with God and with those around me. Hey, Paul, can we meet? I want to talk about what's going on in my heart right now. I've got a deep conviction that I don't preach scripture enough, brother. Can we talk about that? Okay? So important. This is what it means to repent. I mean, how many of you, don't raise your hand at this moment, but how many of you literally thought, stop doing bad things? When you hear the word repent, I'll raise my hand. 
Sure, that's part of it, <laughs> right? That's part of the Holy Spirit's conviction. You think it stops there? You think God made us to stop, do bad things? No. Okay, we gotta come out of this because we can't just live here. No, we're, we're actually thinking about the physics of this, so we're coming around here. And now it's not just repent. It's not repent, and then what? Well, then repent again, and then repent again. No, it's not that. It's repent and believe. What is to believe? Well, to believe is to, like, to trust. To trust what? To trust the truth that you just learned. Like, you now have to actually, like, to believe is not to have a mental thought. To believe is, a, like, an action-type word. Like, I love the reminder. I'll go back to, 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 my, to my Greek 2 class. There is no Christian, there is no Greek word for commitment. It's wrapped up in the Greek word pistuo, meaning to believe. Okay? To, to believe means to put one's trust in. Okay, wait a second. So what, what are you learning? Man, I'm learning that um, even though Andrea was wrong, and even though I, I needed to confront her on this, and even though that now, that, now that I've let her know that I was right again, I need to gently and lovingly restore her. And not just rubber facing it. Man, that's hard. That's so hard. But I gotta believe. Believe what? Like, believe like that's the way. Like, I gotta believe that. Not just believe that, I gotta believe that. I now have to, even though she's the one that's wrong, I now have to, in this biblical concept of forgiveness, I now have to bear the offense in myself. That's what it means to forgive, by the way. When God forgave us, he paid the price, didn't he? And there's so many Christian people I know that think they are forgiving, but until they're willing to bear the offense in themselves, they're just forgetting. That's not what God did. God didn't forget your sin. He forgave your sin in Christ. See the difference? Until we get there. So, so now what do I got to do? So now, Jim, like whether you like it or not, you're going to have to forgive. Like you mean like not do anything but just have a thought in my head? Because please tell me that's what forgiveness means. No. It means to not hold a grudge. It means to let another, another concept of that, afia me in the Greek, means to let it go. Uh, I don't think you know me. I don't let anything go. Okay. Then what you've just said is you're not a Christian. Just for the record. Because, by the way, there is one example when God says, like, I'm not going to let you into heaven. Is like, if you, who has been forgiven much, if you can't forgive someone else, don't expect, don't expect the pearly gates to open, sweetheart. Okay? The Bible makes this big deal. This is a big deal. Paul says we need to forgive one another just as in Christ God has forgiven us. So we, I, I never really believe, I can repent, I can change my mind in terms of, yeah, I really should do this. But now I've got to do it. Now I've got to believe. I've got to act. So what do I do? As I swing around again, I need to, literally, I need to sit down and I, I need to plan. So what am I going to do? This is, this is why sometimes having some kind of a group context can be really, really helpful. Here's what I'm thinking of doing. And so I, I, when I'm meeting with someone, and by the way, when I have someone in my office and I'm walking them through this, I, I'm, I'm usually not doing this on my whiteboard, okay? I'm not. But they come to a conviction. I really need to go home and, and treat my kids different. That's awesome. So tell me what that actually looks like. Like, when are you going home? What do you mean? Like, we're not here just, like, doing, like, theoretical math. Like, when do you go home? Well, I go home today. Like, when do your kids come home? Five o'clock. So you're going to sit down at 5.05? 
okay, so you really want me to do this? Yes, like I really want you to do this. What are you going to say? What am I going to say? Like you said you needed to do something. I want to know. Like what are you going to say? I never really thought of that. Wait a second. Like you knew you had to do something, but you never thought what you were going to say? What? Oh, well, you know, Netflix. Okay, so there's, we, we end up defaulting to these really sad, pathetic, nebulous, general nothingness. Oh, by the way, I'm not going home for you. I got my own stuff. I got to go home and talk with my wife at 505 too. I got to apologize for some things and repent and blah, 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 blah. So I got my stuff. I'm not going to do your stuff, but let's, let's talk about this. Let's share what God is doing in our hearts. And they're come up with a plan. Okay? And then after that, guess what you have to do? Yeah, that was a crazy one. Time to act. Time to go. Get in the car. See you later. Get out of my office. Right? It's time to act. That's what believe means. When Jesus says, believe in me, there is this change that takes place. Why? Because we already trust him for who he is and what he has said. And then here's the last one, is that there is an account that needs to be um, like accountable. There needs to be an account for what happened. So hey, John, um, probably I'll see you next Tuesday. Let's talk about how this went, man. And I need you to know I'll pray for you. And I mean, I'm not pretend to pray for you. Like at 505, I will pray for you. Okay? And I, I want you to know that I'm there. And by the way, if it gets crazy with your kids, will you call me? I don't know if I can come over at five because I'm dealing with my own stuff at home, but I'm here for you. Can you imagine if we lived like that, how crazy that would be? Do you realize how many people in this church have no idea how to apply biblical truth to their lives and they want to? Am I talking about you? I'm talking about me. Andrew and I sat in on a class with Paul and Julie years ago. It was one of the best things we ever did. And they sat there and they talked about how to raise teenagers. We had no idea how bad that was going to be, how hard that was going to be. Okay? And ours wasn't even that hard, but it felt hard, didn't it, babe? And, and, and Paul and Julie are kind of teaching us, like it's just, and it's like this repent and believe thing. And so Andrew and I are kind of, by the way, we're doing this intuitively. It's not like Andrew is going, wow, we've never done anything like that before ever. No, 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 no. Like what I described here is that when you get it right, you do something like this, don't you? When God has spoken to you and you have responded, you've done something like this, haven't you? I need you to recognize it. Yes. You're not going to say, wow, Jim, I have no idea what you just, just described. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, none of that is, that is all totally new to me. No. But hopefully what you have here is um, kind of a picture. That's all I'm trying to do is draw a picture of like what it actually looks like. Now here's the beauty of it. Think physics, okay? So you've, you've, you've done this. Now all of a sudden you've gone through this ringer and so imagine, so now you're coming around centrifugal force and you come out. How do you come out? You know, you don't just go Brr. You don't do that, do you? What do you do? You come out. So here's the, here's the part that's interesting. I've always wondered, like, what is spiritual growth? How are, you, how are you growing spiritually? How tall are you now spiritually? Oh, I'm 5'8". Ooh, congratulations. Like, what does that even mean, spiritual growth? You hear about that? And then it's dry season. Like, what does that mean, dry season? I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, we have all these terms to try to explain what's going on. And I like the term spiritual growth, but what does that mean? What do you mean, am I growing spiritual? What if, 
To grow spiritual. I think this is what Paul's saying in Galatians 5. To grow spiritual is to be more like Jesus. Well, what's Jesus like? Well, you're the fruit of the Spirit. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you are in me, right, then you will literally, you will bear much fruit. He's not talking about you're going to be productive in business. He's not talking about you're going to win lots of people to him. That's not an evangelistic call. Now, by the way, I think our lives that bear fruit are evangelistic by nature. But what is he saying? You'll become more loving and peaceful. You'll become more kind and gentle. You'll become more self-controlled. Why? Because the Spirit is growing in you. Well, how does the Spirit grow in me? Well, you know, by like me sitting on my porch and just having thoughts with a cup of coffee and a book. By the way, I like doing that. Talking about me. But that's, and then the Holy Spirit convicts me and then I don't do anything about it. And then it convicts me again and I don't do anything about it. But I'm really learning some fun stuff. No. You know, I don't know how I become like Jesus Christ. He speaks, my mind changes, my, my, my body, my, my fullness of who I am follows heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I learn to walk in his ways. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? That's why the, the analogy is walk like Christ. Walk in this way, walk in the Spirit. What do you mean walk? It literally is talking about like our life, a good translation, whenever you see the word walk, literally means lifestyle. What is lifestyle? Lifestyle is all of the choices that I make. Is it not? Is my lifestyle not all the things that I do, how I respond when I'm driving, how I shop, how I spend money, how I think, how I talk, how I talk to God, how I talk to you? Is that not my lifestyle? Yes. Is that what's supposed to become more like Jesus? What's the answer? It affects everything. Last thought, I think this is actually spiritual growth. Now here's why I think it's so important. I want to close with this. That's why it is so mission critical for your sanctification. And God's the one in charge of it. 1 Thessalonians 5, that you pay attention here you pay attention that you you are sensitive to the spirit that is wooing you and transforming you and changing you so by the way I think this is kind of what life looks like can I just do this here's Jim so Jim comes along and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to have time to do the red and the black so I'm just going to do the, the, those moments so I'm, I'm, I'm coming along, I accept Jesus Christ, and I come along, and then I have that moment, and I ignore it, and I have another moment, and I ignore it, and then I have another moment, and I change. And then I have another moment, and I change, and I have another moment, and I change. And then I go along, and then I have another moment, and I ignore. This is like the Christian life, by the way. <laughs> now again, it's always, like this is a diagram, and saying, so I don't know if that's exactly, you're right, it's a diagram. But that's what life is in Christ. That's our new identity. That's the way that we have now been led by the Spirit to walk in the Spirit to constantly be changing our minds and our behavior for the glory of God, for the benefit of everybody around us. You know, the best thing, again, Jesus loves you just the way that you are, not a future and better version of you. He loves you just the way you are. But you know the best thing for your family is you being more like Jesus. No matter what the cost is, 
Because not, not, not all families like it, by the way. Not all husbands and wives like it. It's still what's best for them, whether they get it or not. You know what's best for your kids? A more Jesus-like version of you. You know what's best for your company? A more Jesus-like version of you. Yeah, but it cost me some money. I know, that's the amazing part. But it's still what's best. You know what this city needs? The city actually needs a more Jesus-like version of Sunnybrook Christian Church. Don't they? And by the way, isn't that what you want? I think it is. I can see it. I really can. I can see it in your eyes. Something right now is resonating. And I pray that if you are looking at this and you're going, I feel so alone in this journey, you're not. Um, You don't know the number of people even in this room that would do anything to help you see what this looks like in your life. Small or big, X. Okay? I love you guys. And we will see you Sunday when we get to talk about Hosea the prophet.